official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here's your host, Glenn Naughton. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tonight, we're going to talk a little bit more NFL draft. And uh, as I said, I've been saying for a couple of weeks, that cannot get here soon enough. The the hype, the talk, the anticipation, the excitement over having the third pick with the possibility of, of uh, either grabbing a blue chip prospect or trading down. Um, it's been it's been discussed, over discussed, constantly discussed. A million different scenarios have been thrown out there. I've said myself, I'm you know I'm I feel like I'm, I'm torn in equal parts between grab a chip guy, um, and as I've said many times before, get a bunch of picks and trade down. Either way, the Jets are in a good position with the draft approaching, and as I said, and many people have said, it's you know. Nothing it, it basically common sentiment among Jets fans has been from the minute they drafted Sam Darnold is how nice it is not to be worrying about the quarterback position heading into this draft. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about uh, we're going to look at on both sides of the ball a little bit. We're going to look at some wide receivers and we're going to look at the D line. A uh, lot of talent in both spots in this draft. This this receiver class, in all honesty, to me. Uh, more depth than I expected, sort of mid-late college football season. Um, just, you know, we weren't hearing the big names. We weren't seeing the the off-the-charts production from any, any – there were no, you know, there were no nobody – there were no receivers being talked about like you know, a few years ago, you know, obviously Del Beckham and, and Landry and all those guys. But um, – just depth, just in terms of quality receivers up and down the draft. There are some some guys who have the potential to be some good players. Um, mid mid late rounds, there should be some some names there that could be you know that could help this team out. And you know one or two names that we'll we'll go over who who have been you know I hate saying I hate to say climbing draft boards. I think I addressed that a couple weeks ago because we're not in the the war rooms. We don't know what people's draft boards look like. Any analyst or pundit can say that somebody is climbing a draft board. It doesn't make it true. Um, but there are certain names that we start hearing more about as the, the draft gets closer. Before I go any further, though, just want to thank our sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. This episode of Jet Nation Radio is sponsored by FanDuel Sportsbook. If you're in New Jersey, you can get a $500 risk-free bet when you sign up. It's the market NBA, NHL, MLB, or anything else they carry. Check them out today, FanDuel Sportsbook. So, a uh, couple of, of news items to address very quickly. Uh, minor transactions, but some interesting ones for the Jets this week. Uh, first and foremost, uh, as part of the, the, the league's international, um, an attempt to, to draw international athletes grow the game globally. The league started a program years ago where they allow an NFL team to take on one player onto their practice squad as an 11th guy does not count against the 10 man practice squad from other sports around the globe. And the jets, it was announced the other day were awarded Valentine Holmes, who was listed as a running back wide receiver return man. Now Holmes is a uh, Australian, Australian who uh, is a rugby player. I think it said he played for the Wasps, uh, which is a a team out here in England in the the Premier Rugby League. And um, the the interesting thing to me, not not only first of all, his measurables. They had sort of their equivalent of a, a combine for scouts to attend and see how these players did and. This guy's numbers were, you know, 
sort of comparable with what you would see from a mid-round pick. Came in at 200 pounds, ran a 4.4540, showed good agility, and went went and watched a couple of his highlight films uh, from some of his rugby games. And he looks like he has the skill set of a guy who can play in the league. But most interesting to me is the money he left on the table in rugby. This is according to a New Zealand website, News Hub, that Holmes was apparently due to make $5 million in uh, Australian rugby this year and turned that down to come make a couple hundred thousand in the NFL. And, nor- you know, normally when we see these guys, when we see these rugby players try to make the transition, it's either a fringe guy who may not even make a rugby roster or he might be a bottom-of-the-roster player in whatever rugby league he's in. Or it might be a guy who's at the end of his career and thinks maybe he can give the NFL a shot for a couple seasons and make some extra money. And I could be wrong on this, but I, I don't recall a time where one of these rugby players tried to come to the NFL at, at the peak of their game, turning down, again, a $5 million contract to come give the NFL a shot. So the, the salary tells me he's highly thought of and still a high-level player. And the fact that he's willing to walk away from that to take a huge pay cut tells me that the guy, the guy's all in. You know, he's not, uh, he's not just doing this for the heck of it. He's not doing it to try to make a couple extra dollars because he's doing a lot of this. So hats off to him. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. In all likelihood, you know, the odds are against these guys. Elite athlete or not, becoming an NFL football player with, with a few months training, um, it, it's unlikely that any of these guys make it. But of all the guys that have tried, this is the most interesting one to me. Because whenever we hear about these guys, I always, I always say, all right, you know, you dig a little deeper and you find out you're getting a, a rugby player who wasn't very highly thought of in rugby circles and wasn't due to make a lot of money and wasn't even sure they were going to make a roster. Uh, not the case here at all. So Valentine Holmes, definitely something to uh, keep an eye on. Looking forward to seeing him once camp rolls around. Uh, in other news, the Jets added Brandon Silvers, who was one of the top quarterbacks in the AAF, the now defunct AAF. Oh, and what a disaster that was. He's running that thing. Of course, when it all falls apart, you start a damn football league and you can't last a couple months. I mean, good. I mean, Jesus. I'm not saying it should be an easy thing to do. But I'm saying you have experienced people involved. You play six, seven games. And guys are showing up at their hotels after practice with their luggage in the lobby waiting for them. And no way to get home. Oh, what a disaster that was. You really hope some of these guys catch on. I think at last count, 30 of these guys had signed with NFL rosters or NFL teams. But as we know, the rosters are at 90. And once they cut down to 53, probably only, you know, we might see a handful of these guys make some practice squads. But you have to like the idea of bringing in Silvers, one of the top quarterbacks in the AAF, as I said. Um, Only because, A, you need camp arms. B, if he impresses, uh, maybe he's a guy you flip for a, you know, a late draft pick, something along those lines. Um, of course, you've got a brand new So with Darnold and now Silvers, that gives you four arms in camp. And, you know, you need these guys. Camp gets busy. You know, when, when you're out there and when you when you have a, when you're carrying three quarterbacks and maybe one guy's nicked up and he can't go, you have two quarterbacks thrown to a ton of receivers. You need a camp arm, but this is a guy who played well in the AAF. The AAF. AAF. Uh, he's a Troy product, six three two nineteen. Put up some big numbers in college: seventy one touchdowns, twenty nine picks. So, did some good things at you know small school. Impressed in the AAF, so uh, you know unlikely much will materialize. But anytime you had a quarterback at any level, uh, it's an interesting, you know, it's, it's it's something to keep an eye on because those guys, as we said, you know, they are currency, and if they play even fairly well, um, they could turn some heads and maybe a team looking for a two or a three 
is willing to give up a late round pick. But anyway, that's uh, that's it on those two long Both unlikely to hang around beyond training camp. But who knows, right? That's what it's all about, is the unknown with these situations. But what we do know is that the NFL draft is just a couple of weeks away, and the New York Jets have they have some needs. As I mean, who doesn't, right? Every team's got some needs. The Jets needs, you know, uh, plenty of people disagree with me, but I don't feel like this is a, I don't feel like this is a roster that says short on talent, as many people feel. No, I am not putting them in the Super Bowl, but all this talk about them being one of the least talented rosters in the NFL, I think is hogwash. And in time, we will see. We're going to go over receivers and D-linemen today. And, you know, which guy good fit, who wouldn't, guys we might like to see the Jets take and players you'd like to see them stay away from. But uh, topping the stay away from list, uh, and really there's no threat of him landing with the Jets as it is. But um, as much fun as he was to watch work out because of his otherworldly performance, uh, Ole Miss wide receiver DK Metcalf. Uh, everybody saw him during the combine, six three two twenty eight, and ran a four three three, which is just insane. I mean, it's really just, it's nuts. But his change of direction numbers were—I saw somebody post this. It was actually shocking to see, um, which speak to you know how quick he's going to be in and out of his breaks, and you know what you want the guy to run a, a hard slant or a dig or an out, and how quick can he make that turn. He, uh, his agility numbers were actually worse than Tom Brady when he was in combo. That's what you're getting. A 6-3 monster who can run a 4-3-3 in a straight line and then gets outrun by Tom Brady um, in terms of agility. So there are people who see him as a first-round pick, and there are some people that say he's a mid-round pick. So quite a quite a bit of difference there. Where he goes, we'll see. It, it, you just feel like a guy, just the fact that, like, if Al Davis was still around, he would be the Raiders pick at four. No doubt about it. No doubt. Um, I, now, now with John Gruden, I don't know. That's, I think John Gruden, they're going to look to go to replace, uh, they're going to look to replace Khalil Mack, I think, with that fourth pick. But Metcalf is, he's going to be an interesting, he's going to be a fun guy to watch. I, He's one of those guys that, you know, I say every year there are these players that I don't want the Jets to take, but I also don't want anyone in the division to take them. Because I look at them and I think, man, one thing, if that one thing is run a 4-3-3 at 228 and be able to out-muscle a guy for the ball, that's a tough thing to defend. But he's not going to be, is he going to be able to do enough things consistently to be productive? I don't, I think the numbers suggest he won't. Guys with his splits in terms of his, his agility um, historically have not performed well in the league. But let's face it, he is a bit of a different animal given his his size and speed is really just unbelievable. Paris Campbell's another guy. He's an Ohio State product, another speedster. Nowhere near as big. He came in at 205 at the Combine. And... Uh, he ran a four three one, which even for even for people who thought he was fast, I thought he was fast. I thought he was going to be like a, a low four four guy, low four three. I did not expect, and I don't think a lot of people expected that. So he really, you know, he, he gave himself a chance to make a make a lot of money over yards down. So he's produced. I mean, everybody seems to produce there. He's uh just over six or he's right around six foot. Yeah, he checked in at five eleven. So I would expect him to be a first rounder, first second rounder. Jets, even if the Jets move down, and and you would have to have an early second to get Paris Campbell, I believe. We'll see, but I don't think he's going to be a guy who lasts till middle late second round. Oklahoma, Oklahoma's Marquise Brown's another guy. Now he ran, another, he was another speedster at the combine, running a four three five. Um, you know, concern with him is the, the size five nine one sixty six. So not as big as you would like. And, you know, he, 
Yes, he did produce at Oklahoma. He had over 1,300 yards. He had 10 touchdowns. But it's those those offenses where they just you know that they, they just air it out and they they throw it they throw the ball so much these these speedsters put up big numbers. Um, he did have a Liz Frank injury, which you know is a concern. Seriously, we can stand home that. But he's another guy who could be a first second rounder. As much talk as DK Metcalf got, AJ Brown was was a guy who you know was a better player in college. Had 85 catches last year um, for over 1,300 yards, and he's another one. He ran a 4.49, so nowhere he he was quite a, quite a bit behind Metcalf in terms of straight line speed, but uh, just moved better all around. So he's a guy that could go. I would probably not a first round guy. Back of the first round, maybe, but I, I could see him falling to late second, early third. Um, the next guy I want to talk about is honestly one of my favorites in this draft. He's a guy, if the Jets could get him early third round, if he's there, I would absolutely love it. Uh, Debo Samuel out of South Carolina. He ran a 4-4-8 at the Combine, which was, uh, I thought it was going to be a 4 5 Obviously, but a 4-4-8, but love his quickness, love his agility. And I think that he's a guy who... Uh, Who's going to outperform a lot of a lot of receivers in this class? He had himself a good combine, and he's he's an early rounder. Again, he'll 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 go in the top three rounds somewhere. And uh, the next two guys, really, you know, in terms of um, ability to 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 make make plays with the ball in their hands, uh, Nikhil Harry. I, remember, I forget who it was. Daniel Jeremiah, somewhere someone along those lines. It was either Daniel Jeremiah, Matt Miller. Early in the season, posted a play that Nikhil Harry made where he, I mean, it, it was eye opening for his size again, 228, 6'2, And he caught, I can't remember if it was a receiver screen, but he basically ran horizontally one end of the field to the other, basically made every guy on the defense miss before eventually heading toward the end zone and scoring on a ridiculous touchdown pass. And uh, it was really a for this. He did have over 1,000 yards. And uh, on 73 grabs, and not a bad, not a bad 40, 4, 5, 3 for his size. You know, he's he's not a bla- he's not a blazing speed, but plenty of speed for a guy as big as he is. So he was another guy that uh, that I was hoping the Jets would look at it if they are going to go receiver. And he probably won't go in the first. He's probably going to be a third round pick, where of course the Jets do have those two picks. And you and I'm guilty of this. You'll hear me. The Jets have two third round picks, and you're going to hear me mention about 50 guys that I would love in that spot. But listen, there's, there's a lot of depth, like I said, at some key spots in this draft. Trying to work through my uh, my second and final mock of the, the offseason, and it gets tough, just names switching in and out. Want this guy, want that guy. This guy's a good fit. This guy's not a good fit. So it gets uh, it gets interesting. But Riley Ridley is another guy. Uh, he's a Georgia receiver. Not a and he ran he ran a four five eight, so not again not blistering speed, but he, he's a guy who it, it seems like a lot of people I wasn't hearing his name a lot early in the process, and then over the last couple months, and this could just be me, but I feel like I've, I've heard his name a lot more, so I've gone back and watched some of his film, and and he's he's an impressive guy, strong receiver. And he's uh, he's right now from everything I'm seeing, he's graded as a as a second round pick, or I'm sorry, second day pick, which which is probably accurate. But he's a guy who I think, again, just in the last couple months, has been gaining a lot of steam, and I think that I think teams are gonna I think someone's gonna get a good player when they draft him. Next guy I want to talk about here. This is this is uh, I mocked this guy to the Jets in the first mock draft I did. As I I don't see him I don't see him being on the clock anymore when the Jets pick because he's been the more I've watched of him, uh just couldn't be more impressed. Uh JJ Arcega Whiteside out of Stanford. Six two, two twenty five, ran a four five seven. This dude's hands, just the way he's able to pull the ball down in the end zone as as a red zone target and just 
just grab the grab the ball and rip it out of a defender's hands, or you know win that battle. Um, does a great job of high point. He's six two, but he plays like he's six five. He had fourteen touchdowns last year, and just had nine touchdowns the year before. I think Arcega Whiteside is going to be one of the best receivers in this draft. I originally had him as a third rounder. I look at him now, and I think he could go in the first. I think he's that good, and I I still see people mocking him. You know, as a third round guy. I that was PFF, I believe, had him as a first, and I'm I'm on board with that. The more I watch of him, the more I'm a guy like that to give any young quarterback a player who can do the things he can do, especially as I said in the red zone, would be a welcome addition. But I don't think he'll be there in round three, and the Jets don't have a two, so I don't think he's. I don't think I think he's going to be a first or second rounder. Uh, another decent-sized target, Miles Boykin out of Notre Dame. Uh, he's another guy who can kind of create mismatches. He ran a 4-4-2, which is really good. He can be a physical guy. He does a nice job of uh, – he's not afraid to mix it up with opposing DBs, and he had over 800 yards and eight touchdowns last year as a senior. So it's not – yeah, and it was kind of a breakout year for him. He didn't do a ton the year before. And the uh, one of the darlings of the, the draft process, and I've seen a million Jets fans say they want this guy, and I understand why. But uh, Andy Isabella, wide receiver out of Massachusetts. And why everybody want Andy Isabella? Because everybody loves speed. Andy Isabella, 5'8", 188. So not a big guy, but runs a 4'3", He looked really good at the, uh, at the Senior Bowl. People were very... Uh, even pre-senior bowl, there was a lot of talk about some of the things he could do. And then he just, he looked fantastic. And all he did in 2018 was catch 100 balls for 1,700 yards. 102 for 1698 to be exact. And 13 touchdowns. As a junior, he also had over 1,000 yards. 65 for 1,020. So you, you can you can understand the draw with Isabella. And I would not be one bit, I would not be the least bit upset to add a player like that. Uh, again, a smallish guy at 5'8", but you just feel like he could be a, a really good player in any offense. I mean, if you, you have a guy who can do those things, you find a way to get him the ball. West Virginia, Gary Jennings and David Sills. Now, David Sills is a guy, I feel like I, I heard a lot more about him than Gary Jennings during the season. And then when I went and watched them, I felt like Jennings was the better player. And Sills, for whatever reason, seems to get a lot more love. I don't know if it's because he's a little bit bigger. But really, you know, maybe maybe you could say he's a little more physical. But I just, I watched Jennings, and I think if I got to choose between one of these two, I'm taking Gary Jennings. He's a guy that jumps out to me as the, uh, the better player. And I don't know. You know, obviously, we have no idea how the Jets view these guys, but I don't, I don't know how anyone would come away and not feel like they were at least on par. Because again, and maybe it's just, you know, you happen to find your appearance certain names more. Than this, but I heard the name a lot before I started hearing Jennings' name, and then when I watched them myself, Jennings looked like the better player. Uh, the next guy, and it's funny, again, we'll talk about some of the funny things people say, that people think about uh, this whole process, but Terry McLaurin, Ohio State, another receiver, not, you know, not, not a huge guy, six feet, 208, but he ran a four three five, and, uh, you know, opened some eyes. He, he basically, you know, he's another guy people went in and said he's going to be quick, he's He's going to be a sub four four guy, and he absolutely was. Uh, looked really good at the Senior Bowl. Did a good job of of beating. You know, that's the thing. A lot of what you read at the Senior Bowl this year is that all the receivers were getting open. So that's what kind of makes it a little tough to read. But uh, Terry McLaurin, just a physical guy. He's not afraid to get dirty, and was at Ohio but again, they have they they have so many weapons down there. But he's a guy the Jets did have in for a visit. 
a couple days ago or were having it. I can't remember if they had him or they were having him. But I saw his name on a list of uh, of of visiting players. But McLaurin is a guy I would have no issue with them bringing him in. Again, you start bringing these these guys that run in the four threes and they're productive in college, and it's these are the types of things you want to surround Sam Darnold with. Hunter Renfro is another one. Out of Clemson, another receiver who seems to be getting a lot of attention. Uh, but well, he seems like the the the. The, the the hype around him has seemed to die down a little bit. Still, still, I still think he's, he's a guy who can be a good player, but he's kind of viewed as more a mid late rounder now from a lot of what I'm seeing. And he was, uh, let me see, what he, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember what his numbers look like at Clemson last year. Not as much. See, number is good. And three touchdowns. Oh, sorry, that was 2017. Uh, as a sophomore, 495. So he's, he's never put up huge numbers. He's a guy who uh, he's, he's getting a lot of attention from the national media. Or he again, he was early on. I, I, I felt like he was a guy who I was hearing an awful lot about early on. And then over over the last few months, other some other receivers have kind of surpassed him in terms of uh, you know draft position at least as as far as how the experts are perceiving it. So he's as I said he's never put up uh he's never put up huge numbers. Career high was twenty seventeen when he put up six hundred. So but again some you know it's not always about the numbers with these guys. Sometimes there's you have guys who aren't as productive as you might like, but that doesn't mean they're not players. It's a matter of, you know, whether it's system, whether it's QB, whether it's just not getting the targets. Um, you know, any that a guy's production isn't matching up with with his uh, with his talent. Now, Demarcus Lodge is a guy out of Ole Miss. Um, the, I'm always intrigued by these guys because you know, with with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, sometimes you get these these number three, number four receivers who just kind of get forgotten about, and they just happen to be in a program where there's so much talent that they don't get the same opportunities they might get elsewhere. Uh, not doesn't have great speed. He ran a four five five, but he's got pretty good size six one two zero two, and he's a guy to keep an eye on because, like I said, these guys that get buried, these guys who don't get the respect you might think they would just because of, you know, because of the fact they're playing in a program where they have a guy who's or several guys in front of them make it tough for them to get on the field as a possible mid-late round steal. Anthony Johnson is another guy I wanted to talk about. Really productive guy out of Buffalo. Uh, more of a possession guy. Doesn't have great speed. He ran a four five six, But he did have over 1,000 yards, and he had 11 scores. Um, had a decent decent showing at the Senior Bowl. Six foot two. I the little bit I watched him, I really thought he was. He's another one of those guys. You feel like he plays bigger than his size, than his listed size. Watching him, I thought, okay, he's probably about six four. And then he, you look him up, and he goes to the combine. He checks in at six two. But Anthony Johnson, physical guy, who's he's you know he's a late rounder. He's a guy you probably get him in the sixth seventh round. And th- let's face it, there's a the, the Jets are gonna they're gonna look to add a receiver at some point. You know, Michael Hardman's another guy who the Jets will probably take a look at because they're they're going to bring guys in who can return because of you know, losing Andre Roberts. Um, ran a four three three, not huge numbers, but good return numbers. Seven touchdowns as a receiver, so with five hundred thirty two yards, seven scores. So he put up some numbers as a receiver, but uh, his value will probably be as a return man. And the last receiver I wanted to discuss, because there are, there's no shortage. I mean, you can go through probably 40 guys. But the last guy I wanted to bring up is, I want to bring him up last because he is using the word interesting. I don't mean to overuse it. But um, this guy is that, and the Jets had him in the other day. And what an intriguing storyline and that is Baylor University's Jalen Hurd. So Jalen Hurd 
is a guy who I liked a lot a couple of years ago out of Tennessee as a running back. Big, bruising running back, 6'4", 228. And looked like he was going to be as a, as a running back. Had some issues at Tennessee. Went to Baylor. Baylor moves this battering ram running back to wide receiver. And he was phenomenal. You know, doesn't have top end speed. But, is you know, in his only year as a receiver, he pulls in 69 balls for 946 yards. I mean, that's crazy. As a running back at Tennessee, he averaged almost nine yards a carry. Back in 2015, he had 12 touchdowns. And uh, just a power runner who did some good things at receiver. And the, the versatility that he would bring and the height, you know, you got to figure he's still raw at receiver. He didn't play, you know, he played it for one year. So Jalen Hurd is an interesting guy. The Jets did have him in for a visit. And he's a guy that you can get late. And, and you know, I've, I've talked about the fact that I wouldn't be at all decides to to move down in the draft a couple times. You know, we've seen him make trades, these late round late round trades where you give up a fifth to move down twelve spots and add a seventh, you know, something along those lines. And I think there's no way the Jets aren't going to add picks in this draft. And there's no way that the Jets aren't going to try to add some uh add a few selections when uh when draft day rolls around. So definitely something that's worth keeping an eye on. But now we're going to talk about we'll go with defensive ends first and then we'll talk about the defensive tackles. And this is a again this is a strong class. We've talked about Nick Bosa previously. And you know, he's a guy I I don't understand. Of course I understand the hype behind him. I understand why people are excited, but uh, I don't understand why we talk about his injuries. This is a guy who's had two season-ending injuries, and I get that last year he may have been able to come back but decided not to to protect his draft stock. I get that. But if I'm taking you third overall, I don't care what the reasons behind it. You have two season-ending injuries, that's, that's a huge red flag with a third overall pick. That's, I mean, that's, I don't know. That that makes that makes me kind of pause and look at that as you know, am I doing the right thing here in taking this guy? Uh, the next guy, once once Bose is out of the way, is as a, as an end anyway. Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. Now he, he's a guy. He he's, he blew the combine out of the water. He looked absolutely phenomenal. He should be. I mean, he will be a top twenty pick. Could be a top ten pick. I think it was Todd McShay a couple months ago had him going to the Jets. That's clearly just an example of how these experts have to change. You know, they have to put out a lock every week, and it has to be just projections. Rashawn Gary's not going to be a Jet at number three. Absolutely not. Um, he's had some injuries, shoulder sprain. Um, but that you know, I don't think nothing serious enough that's going to scare teams off. Great size speed combination. He ran a four five eight at two hundred seventy seven pounds. I mean that's nuts. So expect him again. I, I think he's a top twenty pick. Not the least bit surprised if he's a top ten, and would be blown away if the Jets take him. That would be shocking. And now on to Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat was probably one of my top four or five favorite guys coming into the season. Um, backed that up with a really stellar year at Mississippi State and he did had himself a great senior bowl looked good in the game looked good in one-on-one drills he had 14 tackles for loss last year to go with 11 and a half sacks and also um, for a six foot six 260 pound defender a 441 is nuts uh, some concerns there were some concerns about a heart condition that was supposedly discovered during the, the combine during the medicals but reports are that that's a known condition he's played this whole time with, and uh, he's been cleared by the docs to play with it. Who was it a few years ago? Was it uh, Don Terry Poe or Star Latula? One of those guys, one of those big nose guards, one of those big interior guys. 
had a uh, a heart condition and they got drafted and they they seemed to do fine. I think it was Star, but I could be I could be wrong about that. I'm going off the top of my head. Owen Farrell, Clemson. Now here's another guy that could be a top twenty pick, top ten pick. He he was projected early on. I saw him projected to the Jets a few times when it looked like the Jets were going to be picking sixth or seventh. But eleven and a half sacks last big numbers from him. Again, ran a four seven seven at two sixty four. Long arms, thirty four inch arms. So he's a guy who's going to be a early first round pick, and rightfully so. Of a polarizing prospect here. This is a guy who really started to light it up mid season, and who I first became aware of when he went on a bit of a tear, and I started watching him a little bit, and I really liked him. But that's Brian Burns. Brian Burns is a guy. He's the guy I look at and say if the Jets do end up trading down, let's say they trade with the Redskins and they land at 15, I I would like to see a guy like Brian Burns in that spot. Now, whether or not that happens, you know, whether or not the Jets trade down, if they do trade down, do they target center, which is obviously a need, but there are some players to be had. The next one, this guy is, is the most interesting. If Jalen Hurd is the most interesting receiver in the draft, this guy to me is the most interesting and Jakai Polite. Now, if you're familiar with this guy, and I, I, I did a short article on him a couple weeks ago, if this guy falls to round three because of the combine issues he had, the pro day issues, there was talk of him having poor interviews, poor, poor attitude in interviews. There was talk of him... Um, just teams coming away unimpressed. He came up lame during the combine. He came up lame during his pro day, didn't finish any workouts. So people are uh, are, are saying this guy's going to fall quite a bit. This dude is a monster. This guy is a legitimate first-round draft pick, talent-wise. Production-wise, you watch him on film, the fact that this guy had issues finishing his workouts, finishing his, the, I was shocked because he, he was all out. Some of the teammates were unbelievable against the run and the pass. If you could, if you, if the Jets drafted Quinn and Williams at three and then they got polite with their first third round pick, I mean, you're, you're adding two elite talents. At, I mean, it's it, it, it's a it's one of those too good to be true scenarios. Like there is no way that would happen, and if it did, I'd be doing backflips, and then just go offense for the rest of the draft. If you're the Jets, then yeah, fine, go ahead and add offense, off go O line, center, guard, tackle, whatever. I don't care. But if you got Williams and Polite with your first two picks, man, would you be in a good position? I don't care what is. And, and look, it is a risk. It's a gamble, that, you know, that, no doubt about it. But you're not taking – you're not taking. this isn't a first-round gamble. If you're going to tell me you can get a guy with someone who has a bad draft process, but his film screams first-round pick, you t- and he's there in round three, you take that guy every time. And if things don't pan out, you move on. If things do pan out, you got. I think it was uh, Matt Miller, Bleacher Report, had him as a in his first mock before the the combine and pro day disasters. Had him going number twenty overall. If you can all of a sudden get him at the top of round three, I I hate the cliches and but but you run that card up there, absolutely. I mean that's a no brainer to me. Zach Allen is the next guy up that I want to talk about. Uh, defensive end out of Boston College. Disappointing 40, five seconds, five second 40 at 281. Thought he would be a little bit better than that. But he, you know, he spent some time in the in the, the offensive backfield last year. He had 14 and a half tackles for loss. He had seven sacks. He decided uh, probably him day two. I wouldn't imagine it being day one. And Jalen Ferguson, we're going to talk a couple more guys here who, again, this is what I mean with the depth. Jalen Ferguson, some concerns there, character concerns. 
But he's he's another guy, crazy, crazy productive in college. 17 and a half sacks last year. 26 tackles for loss. I mean, that's off the charts. That's at Louisiana Tech. You know, a couple forced fumbles and pass breakups, blah, blah, blah. That's all fine and good. But 26 TFLs and 17 and a half sacks. If it, he's the guy I look at and say, if Polite's not there at the top of round three and Ferguson is, he's the guy you grab, without a doubt. Chase Winovich, high-motor guy, productive guy, who's, you know, a lot of people I see getting talked up quite a bit. Lost last year, 17 TFLs. And again, that's at Michigan. So it's that's big boy football. You're playing against some big schools and just looked super, super, or he was super productive, ran a four, five, nine at the combine. So there, I mean, there are some talented, talented guys that could be had. Austin Bryant out of Clemson's another guy. Kind of a mid rounder. Ben Bonogu's I haven't I haven't seen him much as much of Ben Bonogu as I would like at a TCU. The 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 one or two times I've had a few minutes to look at him, I've come away impressed, but honestly I can't I'm not gonna pretend that I've seen enough of him to say for sure if he's a guy that would fit in with this defense, if he's a guy the Jets would take should take a gamble on. But the little bit that I did see I came away really impressed and I've read some some high praise on you know about him. So there are again some really good players. You know, in terms of a small school guy, if I had to pick one small school guy who could be a mid late rounder, give me Max Crosby out of Eastern Michigan. Two fifty five six four two fifty five ran a four six six. But he um he jumps out on tape, you know, maybe it's maybe it's because he's playing at smaller school or at a smaller school. But he had uh, 70 tackles last year and his sophomore year at uh, at Eastern Michigan. He had himself 11 sacks. Junior, he had seven and a half, so a little bit of a dip. But as a 3-4 outside guy, Max Crosby, developmental guy, I would have zero problem with that. I think he's a guy that would uh, find a way to, to get him to get him involved, even if it's on a a situational basis early on. And then you you work him in, you let him become a regular guy. The inside defensive line, we've already talked about Quinn and Williams. He's the guy who should be the Jets pick at number three if they stay put. I mean, just to me, you know, and I've, I've said this to people, I look at him and I think Warren Sapp. That, that's who he reminds me of. Just in terms of how disruptive he is splitting double teams and, and tearing through guys. Um, I mean, just not a lot of guys that can do the things he's done in college at Alabama. Um, I've said it before, and I know other a million people have said it. Go back and watch his game against LSU, where he just completely dominated uh, and, and really showed what he could do on defense. So he should be the guy at three if, he's, if the Jets are staying put. We will see. Ed Oliver, 6'1", 287. He's another one who, you know, blew it out of the water at the combine. He ran a 470. He's got a high motor. Production wasn't what people expect coming to the season. Aaron Donald that I'd seen, and uh, you know that his his production didn't didn't suggest that this season. But he did. He was dinged up. He had a knee injury, so he didn't play in their bowl game. And uh, I could still see Oliver. I mean, Oliver is a guy who's he's going to go in round one. He's should be a top 20 pick. Definitely first rounder, no doubt about that. Christian Wilkins out of Clemson. Here's another guy, 6'3", 315. He's going to, you know, give teams fits on the inside. He's going to he's going to demand double teams, really athletic. Um much more, you know, far more than you would expect from a guy his size. Ran the 40 in just over 5 seconds at 315. I mean, my goodness, 504 at 315. There some impressive performances at the combine this season, folks, especially with some of these big guys on the inside. Draymond Jones out of Ohio State. He's a guy, had years, good numbers here. Um, he had 40 tackles. 
13 for loss. And uh, another athletic interior guy. And this is this is the trend now. Is you you know as as we're seeing these offenses, and this is why I'm in favor of Quinn and Williams. As you see these offenses, these quarterbacks that get the damn ball out in a second and a half. It's like you need, you need these athletic guys, these quick guys, you know, the, that that shortest point to the quarterback being point A to B, and you want to be able to you know split a couple blockers, get up the middle, get there in a hurry, and bring the quarterback down, or at least get him off his spot and force him to make a bad throw. So that's kind of where a guy like Draymond Jones with his athleticism comes in. He could play in a three. He could play in. A, he's probably best suited for a four three. Good player either way. Dexter Lawrence, another Clemson product. They've had you know a lot of talent on that defense this year. Their interior guy, forty big. The Jets aren't. I don't see the Jets taking a, a you know, a Dexter Lawrence type with with the other needs they have. So he's he's a I would say a very unlikely draft choice for the Jets. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Mississippi State. He's not nearly as big, but he still comes in at 301. But he had uh, he tore his ACL during the combine, so we'll see what that does to his stock. Uh, you know, you, you always hate to hear when stuff like that happens. Gerald Willis out of Miami is another guy who productive. Uh, you know, big school guy who looked really good on film. Uh, didn't have a great combine. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at my notes here. Yeah, he didn't work. I knew I knew there was something about him on the combine. He didn't even work out. Um, but he was a solid player. 18 tackles for loss was a number that jumped out for me. For a 3 lineman, 18 TFLs is, uh, is a really big deal. There are some, some concerns that he, he transferred from Florida because he had some issues with school. So that could drop him. You know, that could hurt his stock a little bit. Kalen Saunders, out of, you know, he's a small school guy out of Western Illinois, 324, but ran the 40 in 501. And again, it just 501 for a guy who weighs 324. That's that's pretty impressive. And he's he looks impressive off the snap, fires out well, engages, tough guy to move around. And again, he does a good job. Like I was saying earlier, these guys, these quick bursts of, you know, the strength and power, where they're able to get beat these double teams and get through and and pressure the quarterback. Now he's a projected, you know, he's a second, third round. He's just littered with these these big, strong, quick D linemen, and that's why you know all the talk has been about what a what a great draft class this is on the interior. So that's that's going to cover our previewed players for today. As I've said many times, the draft cannot get here soon enough. In terms of Jets news, we cover the two signings at the top. Darren Lee, touch on that real quick. He apparently he deleted any mention of the Jets from his Twitter profile. People were reading into it. He seemed to hear that, and he just kind of commented, like, you guys need to find something better to do with your time, something like that. But it is a little bit odd. You know, he wasn't at the uniform reveal, and then a couple days later, he takes down anything on his Twitter that, you know, affiliates him with the Jets. So, you know what the good thing is? He showed up to the off-season workout program the other day, um, as reported by, was it Adam Schefter, I believe? Uh, Which is a good sign. Because no matter where this goes, you don't want it to get ugly. I've, you know, I've I've made my opinion clear. I think he's a guy that they should keep around. That he should have an opportunity to to find a role in this defense. But there's that part of me too that thinks, you know, Bart Scott called him soft a couple times publicly. Rex Ryan called him soft publicly. And if this is the opinion of you know a former linebacker and a defensive coordinator, um, maybe this is a you know, maybe this is something Greg Williams sees too and just says, look, I don't need this guy in my unit. You know, I'm watching him, watching him on film. We, we've seen the clips of him getting, you know, folded in half like a like a lawn chair 
on running plays when he gets engaged with, with bigger linemen. But we've also seen him make some athletic plays in coverage. I can't see why they wouldn't be able to find one. Greg Williams may not even be willing to to explore that possibility. So we'll see what happens with Lee moving forward. And speaking of off-season programs, uh, that was another note. I'm sure many of you heard about it. I thought it was an interesting thing. No rookie minicamp for Adam Gase. And this is something he apparently did in Miami. And it will be more of a rookie symposium. Players will come in. They'll get acclimated. They'll get to know each other. They'll get to learn the playbook. It'll be classroom time. It'll be Q&A with the coaches kind of getting settled into to joining the league. And um, I don't hate the idea, to be honest, because I've always wondered, you know, how much can you really get done in a few days with a, with a bunch of guys who have never played football together and who have never worked with these coaches before? You're probably not going to get a great thing what you'll get on film, so why not take that time to instill the offense, instill the defense, um, with these young guys who have never seen the playbook and get them familiar with the coaches, get them on a you know a comfort level where they get used to dealing with each other for a smoother transition when actual you know full season when you know when OTAs and things kick off. So I don't have a problem with Gase do, with Adam Gase doing that. I think that you know there is value in, in that approach. We'll see if it pays off or not. But I know that like many of you, I'm <laughs> I'm absolutely pumped for this class. The Jets are in the driver's seat. They get a blue chipper or they get multiple picks uh, in a trade down. So good times ahead. Draft is only a couple weeks away, folks. Hang in there and hang with us. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you next week. Take care. That's it for Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow Glenn on Twitter at AceFan23. And the show can be found at Jet Nation Radio. Until next time, go Jets! With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.